The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Geeks and welcome to Wizards, the podcast Patreon exclusive series, 90s Super Cinema. For this very special episode, we're taking you back to the year 1990. George H.W. Bush was president. Michael Bolton's How Am I Supposed to Live Without You was topping the music charts. And our TV screens were burning up with the latest appearance of two iconic actors playing one iconic Marvel role. Now... Obviously, 1990 brought us a few iconic superhero movies, such as Dick Tracy, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But tonight, we're paying homage to a forgotten film of the era. It's the death of the Incredible Hulk. Taking us through this journey, someone who rewatched it for the first time and realized why he likes short hair, I'm Michael. (laughs) And just call me Stinky, I'm Adam. And don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. I'm Steven. Now, the Incredible Hulk TV series began in November of 1977 with the premiere of the origin story pilot movie. The series began in March of 78 and ran for five seasons, eventually coming to an end in May of 1982. Technically, this character spanned across Three decades. Born in 77, his last appearance was here in 1990. He was created by TV writer and producer Kenneth Johnson, who had also worked on The Six Million Dollar Man and The Bionic Woman, and would go on to create the TV series V, as well as write and direct the DC Comics adaptation Steel, starring Shaquille O'Neal. This makes a lot of sense to me now. I'm going to hold the question, but it relates to the TV series V that I have to ask. I love that show, and I have a very interesting question. But Stephen, how familiar were you with Bill Bixby as the Incredible Hulk? I was incredibly familiar with the show. No pun intended. (laughs) Pun intended. This was my mom's favorite show at the time. She was a huge Bill Bixby fan in general, and so she loved The Incredible Hulk. And some of my earliest memories are sitting in my living room waiting for the Hulk outs. Because, you know, when you were a kid, you didn't have the attention span for the storyline. You just wanted to see him turn into the Hulk. And my mom would be in the other room and say, just tell me when he turns into the Hulk, I'll come in. (laughs) And so I'd be like, Mom, he's turning into the Hulk. And she'd come running in like the house slippers to check out the Hulk out. But yeah, I I was a huge fan of the show and and remain a huge fan of the show. We can talk more about Bill Bixby as this goes on. But yeah, that's that's my level of familiarity with the show. That's hilarious. What about you, Adam? What's your familiarity with Bill Bixby and the Incredible Hulk or just the series in general? 
Well, I, I would say it's surprising for me that with the amount of television I watched, just in my area, I guess, I rarely came across reruns of the Incredible Hulk TV series. Now, I definitely tuned in for all three of the TV movies in the late 80s and this one in 1990, but I didn't know much about the TV series. I literally only knew Bill Bixby. is like, oh, he's the guy who played the Hulk in those movies. But when the Ang Lee Hulk film came out, I bought this dvd that was the pilot that was put onto a dvd as like the original hulk movie but i I never saw it you know week to week or saw some sort of uh you know cable station because i'm sure it was on sci-fi channel but for some reason i just i i caught more wonder woman than i ever did the incredible hulk See, I think in New York it was on – correct me if I'm wrong. I believe it was on WPIA. Oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah, absolutely. That, that was I, the I, station I was watching it on that's initially. That's where I watched it too. Yeah, for sure. And, it, was, it was also on – I feel like on Saturdays I saw it a lot or like in reruns mm-hmm. in the summer I watched it a lot during the, during the week too. It was on a lot. Yeah, and then later on in the 90s I think it became an NBC show or like a universal show. So it was on USA Network and Sci-Fi Network. There are a lot of great episodes of the original series, which I think are fantastic. The one called 747, when he's on an airplane. Wow. Thieves of like Egyptian, like, you know, there's this like Egyptian artifact on the airplane and someone's going to gas or murder the, the pilot to steal this artifact. And in the end, it's up to Bill Bixby to land the plane. And obviously, as he's landing the plane, he starts to Hulk out. <laughs> so you're like, you have all these people on the plane. You had to pick the guy that turns into a green monster if he gets stressed out. That's the guy you want to land your plane. But yeah, it was a ton of fun. And I, I think it did a really good job of portraying that kind of Marvel human quality to the character. David Banner was such a sympathetic character. Question, though. Yep. Question. When I rewatched this movie today, I could not remember why his name was David Banner in the show and not Bruce Banner. Is there a reason for that? I'd heard that it was just the alliteration was too comic booky for the show that they were trying to make. They wanted to make a more realistic fugitive type show. And, you know, Peter Parker, obviously Clark Kent, they wanted to get away from the alliteration. So they gave him a different name. But if you watch the pilot movie on his, you know, because in the pilot movie, David Banner is presumed dead. They say that in the opening every week. And on his gravestone, it does say David Bruce Banner. Right. So it treats his Bruce as his middle name Hmm. in the the show. So at a certain point in like the mid 90s, my local blockbuster had that TV movie pilot on a VHS tape that you could rent. And I rented it so many times when I was in middle school. And to this day, it's one of my favorite, quote unquote, Marvel movies. Uh, I think it's incredible. It's just a really well done pilot. It, uh, th- that pilot I do remember and I almost want to go back and rewatch it now because it was a good pilot movie especially for the time like it was a it's the one thing that was interesting about this particular show in general and we're getting a little bit off topic but it was like everyone looks at the Hulk as like oh he's just a human wrecking machine or a monster like this took a, a a character a fictitious character and gave it some sort of like drama or heart to it and made it like a compelling story, which I think is very interesting of this type of character. And, and just one more point on that, and then we can move on to these movies. But I, there's episodes where I'm watching the show. I, you know, I'm, I'm my own age now. I know the concept of the show and I'm watching it and I get so engrossed in the story and Bill Bixby's acting that I completely forget this guy turns into a green monster. And I'm watching the situation and these, you know, these bad guys are, are tormenting someone 
And I'm like, oh, man, how are they going to get out of this? And then I'm like, oh, right, he turns into a green monster. Of course he's going to, like, smash these bad guys <laughs> to smithereens. But it really does put the, the, the Banner character first and the Hulk character second, uh, which is why I think it works so well. Yeah. We'll move on to these TV movies now. Um, so the series went off the air in 1982. And then in 1988, it came back as a TV movie called The Incredible Hulk Returns. Kenneth Johnson was not involved. Yeah, it's uh, Roger Corman's New World. So 1988 saw the premiere of The Incredible Hulk Returns, which paired Hulk with a beer-guzzling Thor, played by Eric Allen Kramer, uh, who you might know best as Little John in Robin Hood Men in Tights. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he played Thor. Uh, I'm not sure how, how many times you guys have seen that one, but it's... It's my favorite of these. Really? I mean, he, he is just really? so much fun. You know, he's like, your troll is a mighty warrior, whatever he says about the Hulk. Like, I just, he cracks me up so much. And I, I love the disc Donald Blake in that. He doesn't transform into Thor. He summons Thor. And now he has to cope with Thor's, like, brash attitude and everything where he's such a meek guy and it was definitely you know, obviously meant to be a pilot for maybe a thor series like this buddy adventurer series which i think would have been a really fun show to watch because i i really enjoy the dynamic in that i do like eric alan kramer's thor but there's some real cheesy stuff in that one <laughs> as well as all of these where you know he's at a biker bar thor and he's drinking with all these bikers in like a really prolonged sequence it's it's pretty cheesy uh <laughs> So after that, that that was a big rating success, and it led to 1989's The Trial of the Incredible Hulk, which contains not only Stan Lee's first live-action Marvel movie cameo, but Rex Smith playing superhero lawyer Matt Murdock, a.k.a. Daredevil, and John Rhys-Davies as Kingpin. Now, this is my favorite of all of these. We can talk about this, I think, in, in like the next section, but... This is the one I, le- I remember the least, actually, but I want to rewatch it. There were rumors that with this third Incredible Hulk TV movie that She-Hulk was going to feature prominently in it, uh, and then Iron Man... Man would appear in part four. I read a rumor that Tom Selleck was going to play Tony Stark Iron Man, but I highly doubt it. Everybody's just like, mustache, Tom Selleck. <laughs> well, and also these were kind of low-budget affairs, and Tom Selleck at this point was basically Magnum. a movie star. Yeah, he was Magnum P.I. He, he was, was quickly Magnum. down under. He was Mr. Baseball. Was Mr. Baseball, yeah. <laughs> But another interesting what if is that way back in 1984, the initial plan was to pair the Hulk with Spider-Man, bringing back original Spider-Man TV actor Nicholas Hammond on to reprise the role. To quote Hammond, I used to know Bill Bixby quite well in those days. Bill asked me during one of these conversations, would I play Spider-Man again? My response was only if I could have more control over the character. I wanted to make it more humorous and was interested in doing more of the physical stuff. I felt one of the problems with the series was that the Peter Parker I played and the Spider- man who was played by a stuntman were so opposite and lots of the believability of the character was lost bill liked my ideas and said that he would let me know if anything came up about three weeks to a month later i got a phone call from bill saying that he had spoken to screenwriter ron satloff and he was close to setting up a deal with columbia television to start work on a project which featured both spider-man and the hulk bill was going to direct and i was going to have writing credits with stan lee and ron satloff one of the main problems early on though was universal television weren't 
prepared to let Columbia have use of the whole character, and this took a while. Eventually, Bill phoned again, saying that both networks came to a deal to co-produce the telemovie with Universal having the rights to screen. Things started moving quickly, and we got most of the technical crews from both original series on board, and the movie had an air date of spring 1984. The most impressive thing about the movie was to be the costume I was going to wear. It was to be the black costume used in the comics around this time, and it looked a lot better than the one in the TV series. Just as everything was running smoothly, Bill phoned again. Hi, it's Bill, Nick. I've got some bad news. The project has been cancelled. Lou is unavailable. Universal won't do the movie without Lou. Lou Ferrigno was in Italy making a Hercules movie and wouldn't be available to make the movie, and they weren't prepared to wait for him. Personally, I have always thought that this was Universal's own way of cancelling the project. Wow. Can you imagine a black costume Spider-Man teamed with the Hulk? Huh? Wow. That would have been amazing. And and reading this makes me so sad that it didn't happen. Yes. And and Nicholas Hammond ruled as Peter Parker. He was awesome. He was great. Yeah. So this quote is from Lou Ferrigno's book. And Lou Ferrigno says he was never contacted about reprising the role of the the Hulk in 1984. So it seems like it was just a way to get, you know, get away from the rights issue that it wouldn't happen. And they blamed it on Lou Ferrigno. But according to him, that's not what initially happened. So now no Marvel characters besides the Hulk appear in Death of the Incredible Hulk, or do they? I have a theory on that. I have a theory. We'll get to that. Okay. So this premiered on February 18th, 1990. It was directed by David Banner himself, Bill Bixby, who also directed Trial of the Incredible Hulk. It was written by Gerald DePego, who also wrote Trial of the Incredible Hulk, and would go on to write the John Travolta movie Phenomenon, of all <laughs> things. I like that movie. It's, a good it's movie. a pretty, It's a pretty good movie. At least I thought so at the time. Yeah. So when did you guys first see Death of the Incredible Hulk? I can tell you, I saw it on TV. I saw it when it aired on TV. Yeah, definitely for me too. Saw the TV guide. There's a Death of the Incredible Hulk movie. I gotta check it out. I only remember one part of the whole movie, but me too. Me yeah. too. <laughs> Interesting. I had seen Trial of the Incredible Hulk the night it aired, and it started at eight o'clock, and at nine o'clock it was my bedtime. So I had to go to bed halfway through the movie, and the next day my mom told me what happened in the next hour of the movie that that I'd missed. And she was like describing it to me. She's saying, you know, oh, well, Daredevil feels Hulk's face when he transforms into Banner. And then he knows that Banner is the Hulk. And I'm like, oh, my God, this sounds like the best movie ever. <laughs> so I spent, no joke, the, the next six years going through the TV guide every week that we got it, like in our news day. To see what it would show in rerun? To see when it would rerun. And like literally week after week, I'm, I'm going to Trial of the Incredible Hulk, Trial of the Incredible Hulk, Trial of the Incredible Hulk. And finally in 1995, six years later, they reran it on USA. And that's when I learned that there were two other movies in this you know series oh Oh, really so that's when i saw incredible hulk returns and uh death and it was called an incredible day with the hulk they ran like a marathon of them and my family was all hanging out and i refused to go i just sat in my living room with a vcr for six hours (laughs) yeah (laughs) taping all three of the movies and that's when i first saw you know the second half of trial uh as well as the other two movies that was wow yeah that's crazy because i definitely i watched all three of them broadcast night and I didn't see him again until I bought, you know, the DVD set of the first two and then just, you know, bought the DVD now for this one. I haven't seen.
seen it since it aired. Wow. They were released on VHS, but it was not, you know, readily available. It was harder to find stuff back then, obviously. So if your local video store or Blockbuster didn't order it, you didn't even know it it was there. Yeah. As, as opposed to like those Captain America movies, which I would always find in my local uh, video store. Definitely. That and, and like the Nicholas Hammond Spider-Man movies, they were always there. I was like, oh man, I gotta watch the Chinese web again. <laughs> awesome. And it's it's crazy that that has never seen an official DVD release, right? So should we dig into the plot now, gentlemen? Sure, why not? So the premise is that living as David Bellamy, a janitor in a lab, David Banner is once again trying to live a peaceful life attempting to find a cure for his ailment at night by making corrections on a man named Dr. Pratt's whiteboard, which was actually a pretty cool, like, glass whiteboard. It was really neat. It kind of glowed in the dark. I liked it. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's almost like a proto-goodwill hunting in a way. Definitely. Um, However, uh, when some muggers attack David in an alleyway, the Hulk comes out to play and smashes through a bunch of apartments and throws the guys into a dumpster. But they're holding on to the dumpster as the dumpster is moving backwards. This is hilarious. Ah! <laughs> it was really funny. Meanwhile, a Russian spy named Yasmin is blackmailed into committing one last heist to infiltrate this lab and get the floppy disks or some sort of records of all of Dr. Pratt's research. Now, the way they introduce Yasmin in this movie, she's playing racquetball at some sort of tennis club with some random dude, and she, like, open mouth kisses him, and she's got, like, some sort of, like, microtape behind her, and he's trying to steal it, and I'm like, I don't... I think he was just feeling her up, and she didn't want him to notice the tapes. Okay. That's how I took it, yeah. So... She leaves this guy and then hands the tape off to, like, I guess it would be kind of like her handler. And based on the way they describe this character, I assume this is like a proto-Black Widow, essentially. Like She's sort of supposed to be, because she's kind of like in Russian-y, but she doesn't really have a Russian accent, but everybody else that she works for is Russian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even as the movie goes on, she's her outfits and such feel like Black Widow. And That's always what I've thought is that this is very much a Black Widow character. And I don't know why they don't just call her Natasha and they make they her Black the Widow. They must have had the rights. But she's played by Elizabeth Grayson, and I have always loved this actress forever. Mm-hmm. since this movie. She's in the Highlander series. She gets her own Highlander series at one point. She really, for me... Was just when I started this movie, I forgot she said this. I love her. She's great. She's <laughs> awesome. I was so happy. So Dr. Pratt catches David in the act of correcting his equations, and as a result, Banner reveals his true identity and recounts the events that led to his self-experimentation that created the Hulk. He notes that his condition also dives into Pratt's own research in the human capability to heal. And it was a very interesting kind of way that they dovetailed this together. They don't really explain how David even knew who this guy was, found this lab, got a job in this lab, which is like this maximum security place. But anybody with a fake ID seems to be able to get in, no problem. Well, on the TV show, David is always searching for someone who can uh, help him with a cure. 
Yes. So he meets several scientists along the way who have done similar experiments to things that he's done. There was one famous film where a guy had created a Hulk and there was like a Hulk versus Hulk battle. Um, even in the 747 episode that I mentioned earlier, he's flying to find a doctor who is doing this pioneering research into gamma radiation. Yeah, and, and like, you know, Return of the Incredible Hulk, he's working in a lab, but he's doing it like undercover. He doesn't want to take credit for it right. and all that kind yep. of stuff. Yeah. So. Pratt believes he can cure David, but he needs to first study the creature. Over the course of a week, both scientists, with the help of Pratt's scientist wife, Amy, construct a force field cage and sensors to track Banner's vitals. This force field, I'm sorry to say, Stephen, was a better looking force field than the Corman Fantastic Four force field. <laughs> I just have to say, it, was, it, it felt more real. And it's a couple of years earlier, so I'm just saying. Ooh. Well, this is low budget, but it's not as low budget as as the Corman Fantastic Four. So. <laughs> Banner shocks himself repeatedly with this like electrical rod system and transforms into the Hulk. The cage basically is reminiscent of like this midnight sequence that happened in the Hulk episode Married. I don't remember that episode, but um, it's like a nightmare sequence where he keeps seeing the Hulk in a desert, in a cage, trapped. Okay. So there, there's some, like, allusions to that, in my opinion. Okay, fair enough. The energy cage restrains the Hulk until Pratt uh, has all of his readings, and Amy records video of the Hulk and takes pictures of it and activates this, like, tranquilizer device that just knocks the Hulk out instantly. I was like, wow, that was pretty quick. <laughs> there's a, a lot of horse tranquilizers in there. Banner later watches the transformation and reveals or at least says that he's never seen the Hulk until this moment, which I thought was odd or surprising. I didn't realize that he'd never seen the character before. Yeah. And I was thinking about that. Has that, do you guys remember any instances where he did see the Hulk transformation? I'm sure he's seen tabloid photos with McGee. That's what I was going to say. There had to be some photo record that he's come across. But, but he's but yeah. saying this is the first transformation that yeah. he's seen, which is different. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll buy that because I was like, I'm like, how could he have never seen what the Hulk looks like? I was like, all right, maybe maybe the transformation. Sure, I could, well, I could buy that. And the irony is in this movie, you don't really see any transformations because they didn't have the budget for it. You yeah. just see some close-ups of eyes. You don't see like the full Hulk transformation mm -hmm. that you're familiar with from the tv series yeah i think his shirt ripped a little bit at one point <laughs> when he's yeah, running a little bit of a ripped shirt a little bit later the russian spies break into the lab halting another hulk out experiment as they attempt to steal the formula yasmin first meets the hulk while she's pocketing a stack of floppy disks <laughs> <laughs> Very clumsily. As, as you do, as you know, this true espionage spy. Might I add, impersonates a soldier named Betty because she yes. steals her uh like uniform from the dry cleaners, but the uniform also had like her security badge on it. I just didn't understand how that worked. I kept trying to look and see like, was it Betty Ross? Is it Betty Ross? Like were they trying to work that in? It had to be some type of allusion to it that had, character. It had to be Betty because it's the only other why would they ever call this character betty if yeah. it wasn't trying to allude to being betty ross yeah one assumption. would think one would think yeah so she's pocketing these floppy disks they're like you know there must have been 400 of them strewn about the floor <laughs> like, oh my God. could you imagine just writing that data yeah i'm out of space <laughs> great it's a lot of hulk research on, on floppy disks 
really, really is. So the discs are all strewn about on the ground in a prolonged scuffle and chase that is like really, really drawn out. And Hulk is running up and down stairs and through hallways and this and that. He ends up carrying out Dr. Pratt to safety because the lab is like burning on fire. In the meantime, he also had seen that Yasmin kind of pulled the doctor a little bit more to safety who's unconscious at this time. Then through this course of this crazy chase and the floppy disk, the whole <laughs> dives through a window, runs away, right? Now we find out that Dr. Pratt is hospitalized in a coma. He fell down on the ground. Nothing really happened to him other than falling down, but he isn't he's in a coma now, right? Okay. He's so an older that, gentleman. Suspend your disbelief. Something that really thought was bizarro with this whole thing is David Banner's been with this doctor and his wife for, let's say, a, a couple of weeks. I'm going to give them a couple of weeks, right? There's this, this through line in this story where David keeps saying, I've never had a family. You two are the closest thing to a family I've yes. ever had. And Dr. Pratt's wife is like, oh, he looked at you like the son he never had. And I'm like, I'm like, Bill Bixby's like 55 years old here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, this is what I'll say. As a kid, all of those scenes would have been the most boring thing in the world to me. Like, just like every time there was a love story in the movies, I just shut down. I'm like, I don't care. But looking at it now, the it. relationship, the acting with those two actors, like Dr. Pratt and Amy, is just so wonderful. Like, you really believe they're a couple like there's they're so natural you really do like engage with them and care about them more than just some random supporting characters you know oh i agree completely i, I think there's some really strong acting from bill bixby in this movie mm -hmm. especially in the scenes with the doc with dr pratt uh he just, yeah, like you said, you believe that relationship, even though Bill Bixby's older than Dr. Pratt's wife in real life by yeah. like a decade. And yeah, like you said, he's in his mid fifties, and and you know he's tr being treated like like their child. He, he's like, it's like this twenty five year old young shirtless buff guy <laughs> all the time. I'm like, okay. yeah, they're stretching the reality of it a little bit, but you know. But listen, I, I went along with it. I'm like, okay, fine. Whatever. It is what it is. He's been playing this role for 20 years. Let him have his, his swan song. Sure. <laughs> so after the failed heist, Yasmin is in a little bit of hot water with the Russians. And they try or they threaten to torture her for her failure. Meanwhile, Amy tells David that Dr. Pratt has considered him to be his own son, or the closest thing to it a son he'd ever have, which I find, it's just, again, very funny line of dialogue, and whatever, I, it's fine. And what's really funny about that scene in particular is there's all of these, like, FBI guys or whatever allegedly outside the house, guarding the house for this guy to come, but they never go inside the house and search for it, and David's just sort of, like, hanging out in, like, a loft. <laughs> on the second floor <laughs> just chilling there it's pretty funny how do you get there who knows whatever <laughs> so then banner goes and leaves the house and again there's no guards outside but he gets through this giant gated property and there's these black suvs or you know essentially they're like broncos that start chasing him through the woods and through this like high grass area and he it's going on for a long time the cars keep getting closer and banner keeps running a little further and running and running until he sees some sort of like convenience store that he runs across the street so this is where that was really funny the door is locked he throws like a garbage can through the window but then turns the knob on the outside. <laughs> 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 like, 
he didn't reach in and unlock the inside. He just turned it off and went in. I was like, oh, okay, great, whatever. So now he's in this grocery store. And Yasmin is holding him at gunpoint to turn himself in. But during a scuffle, Yasmin gets shot. And one of her dying cohorts reveals to Yasmin that her own sister is the mastermind of the entire operation. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Then he drops dead. <sighs> it's funny because he says it in a way where he's not at all weak. He's like, it's your sister. She's the one behind it all. Like, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, he's like, he just drops dead. <laughs> and, then, and then Banner's like, he's dead. It's like, he seemed fine 10 seconds ago. Oh, he had a lot no. to say. He's so dead. And now, like, so, like I said, Yasmin got a gunshot wound. Banner looks at it, right? He's, oh, it's through and through. You'd think this, like, Russian espionage spy secret agent would be able to handle a single gunshot wound of the arm. But she's, like, near death wheezing. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Well, and then he says, I'm a doctor. And then, like, like, I can patch this up for you. Say, You're not that kind of doctor. What are you talking about? <laughs> You're a scientist. You're not a surgeon. <laughs> but it was one of those things where I was sitting there, and earlier Stephen had mentioned about teases of She-Hulk. I thought this was going to spark that he needed to give her, like, some sort of blood transfusion. Oh. And hence create She-Hulk. Well, that doesn't actually happen, but I was totally like, this woman is dying. She's bleeding out. He's going to need to give her a transfusion because otherwise she will die and now she'll become She-Hulk. Well, it doesn't happen, but I bet that was probably a, a thought in the script at one point. I, that that is what a lot of people have, have mentioned. You're not the first person to, to think that. And in all the promotional material kind of leading up to this movie, they had mentioned that She-Hulk would be a part of it. So it might have just been a budgetary thing at the last minute to change it to kind of a generic Russian spy yeah, instead of Jennifer Walters. Yeah. Or Black Widow, for that matter. Yeah. Uh, so Banner takes Yasmin to a cabin that she says she has some sort of safe house. And he patches her all up and sews her up. He takes a fish hook, right? This is very fascinating. <laughs> he takes a fish hook. And he, like, clips it off and makes it into a needle. And then he heats it up, and then he's, like, doing all this whole, like, scientific experiment to make a way to thread this string or whatever that he found, fishing line, into sewing up this arm. Okay, cool, whatever. It was pretty clever. It was very MacGyver-esque, I feel like. But it was like wow. I, I was totally, I was like, am I watching an episode of MacGyver? What's going on here? <laughs> so, Yasmin finally reveals that she saw him transform into the giant, the monster that kills people. You change. My sister changed. She's a monster, too. Dun, dun, dun. Commercial. <laughs> yes, because so the Russians want to basically make an army of super soldiers. That's Which was never plan. clear to me. I did not understand what they were going to do with this research. I didn't think it was ever 100% spelled out. It was just like, here's your mission. Get the research. Not, here's what we're going to do with it. I'm sure it's explained at some point, but maybe I just missed it. But I was just like, okay, I, I get that they have this whole espionage thing going on. But to what end? What is the threat? Get 700 floppy disks and we'll have somebody <laughs> sort through it. Well, well and, and, and Yasmin believes that Dr. Pratt created david as a super soldier that's what mm. she thinks is that dr pratt is like this evil american creating this army of monsters essentially and she thinks david is the first one and she's like he turned you into a monster he made you a monster and, and by the way michael i gotta i gotta mention before you go on here is during this scene also is one of many many 
naked back shots of Yasmin. This oh. film thinks the naked back is the sexiest thing ever. I just, I, it keeps popping up. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? Yeah, this is what's strange. So like, like David, as he's going to sew up her arm, he slowly, you know, very ducimo, very slowly, takes <laughs> takes off her shirt, and she's got nothing underneath this blouse. She's just, like you said, back shot, and sewing her up, and I don't know, whatever. It's, well, it was, she, it was, she, she's Eastern European, they don't wear anything. <laughs> but, but like they're they're you know building this sort of like trust romantic relationship between these two characters and again like i said i am suspending my disbelief but i'm like this actress is probably like mid to early 20s yeah and bill bixby's late 50s and i'm like she's just like oh god i gotta i gotta be real romantic with this guy it, it, it's very reminiscent of halloween 3 season of the witch if any of you have seen that movie where there's this really old doctor guy and this really young girl and she's very interested in him in a hotel room and you're just like what is going on here this is not how it should be well so when you when you guys watched this in 1990 did you feel at all embarrassed by all the naked back shots because if i were a kid i would just be like oh my god my, my parents are gonna walk in I, I have to change this right away as mentioned by adam earlier i literally only remember her as an actress in like the last 10 minutes of the movie yeah and and the end end of the movie that's Same. really all i remembered was that yeah it did, did did not penetrate at all i mean at the time too it's like okay well you know i'm like i'm eight years old when i'm seeing this like it didn't connect to me i'm like a naked back eh. <laughs> plus my mom is an artist so we had naked pictures all over the place she always had figure drawings so so like nudity to me wasn't a big deal oh interesting yeah. interesting there's another layer of the onion. There it is. Back. <laughs> yeah, who, who knew that the Hulk uh, movie would, would, would reveal that? <laughs> David now visits Dr. Pratt in the hospital because Yasmin is a master of disguise and like disguised him as a therapist. And she's like a nurse. She's got a bazillion wigs. This particular wig that she wore was basically black hair with like a bun in the back who looked like the same person except with a bun i was like oh okay all right whatever but anyway he gives this very long monologue but it's a lovely kind of like speech about you know all kinds of stuff that i've talked about in the movie and they do have a lot of through lines in the story that keep coming back and it's actually a very good monologue and he really hey, stinky rat <laughs> What did you do? David's like reenacting this whole story that Dr. Pratt told him and had a big laugh about that. That was like when he set off a stink bomb and cleared out the entire school and how he was so proud of himself and his friends called him stinky, but they always kept his secret, you know? So he uses that to, to lure him out to make him smile while he's in his coma. Yeah. And and, and like, that's the cue. Like, oh, he's going to be perfectly fine now. His coma is over. <laughs> he's smiling. He's got his, all of his faculties back. No. No problem. See you later, Doc. We're out of here. <laughs> but, well, but like, what's what's funny is is that David heard this speech about the stink bomb that he let, let off in school, but Yasmin didn't, and she's just sitting there listening to him <laughs> while while other spies <laughs> are coming in. He's like reenacting, "Hey, stinky, what you putting that stink bomb?" And she must be like, "What the hell is this guy doing?" <laughs> like, come on, there's bad guys out there. But it connects. It connects. It's, it's, it's yeah. a really nice piece yeah. of acting. 
And and so like this is part of the thing is like I keep losing people I love, the people who love me. So I'm being selfish. I need you in this world. And then miraculously he awakens from the coma with a grin. All right, I'm out. Gotta go. Okay, cool. So now they do like a quick change where Banner throws like a half-ass patch over his eye, and she kind of wheels him out in a in a wheelchair. She throws like a, a nurse's gown on and a nurse jacket and and such and they escape and now they get into a pickup truck or, or like a bronco or a knockoff bronco if you will and they drive away and now the russians like they've been following them they found them and they trace them and they tail them and they corner them all over the place and they drive into this giant yard of it must be 50 or 60 caterpillar excavators and bulldozers and such and i'm like i've grown up around construction my entire life and i've never seen a job site or a building or a facility that had that many yellow caterpillar machines ever and they had all of them they must have been <laughs> it was crazy there must have been 50 machines there like, this is weird <laughs> it felt out of context for me so anyway they're driving they're driving and now they've got these two giant payloaders on either side of this truck and they drive the forks into the sides of it and nothing has happened yet to banner like he's not been punched or touched or whatever but the forks come in and he starts to change instantly and they pick this truck up right and and then the two payloaders pull back and the truck falls the girl still sitting there perfectly fine in her seat looks over like oh no he's changing oh no (laughs) i wasn't just dropped 20 feet (laughs) to the ground i'm okay and then then the hulk punches through the roof Punches again, the whole roof flies off. <laughs> it's really quite amazing. And then Hulk stands up, and he's holding the two payloader buckets by, like, the claws on the end of it. And he's holding it so strong that he, he like, makes the machines malfunction, I guess. Okay, mm-hmm, sure. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I'll buy it at the Hulk. Sure, whatever. So he runs away. She gets captured by the Russians, right? Am I correct in that? She gets captured by them at this point? No, because th- they go to the cabin together right, after that. Right, they go to the cabin, yes. So, so he runs away. She escapes. And then he appears later, like, in the mist coming through as Banner with no shirt on. Yeah. And, well, it's uh, Dr. Pratt who gets kidnapped. That they, they, which they, they sets get, up the final confrontation. That's right. The, the Dr. Pratt and the wife get kidnapped in, in the ambulance, and there's like 50 ambulances all of a sudden, and they lose them. Yeah, okay, cool. Yep. I forgot about Yeah, okay. So Pratt got kidnapped. Yasmin escapes back to the cabin. How? I don't know. But she did. She gets there. She's you a know. spy. Yeah. Hulk gets back there. He comes back as, you know, shirtless you know, David Banner. And they come inside, and then they have this love scene. <laughs> It's a it's an interesting love scene, I'll tell you. It's a beautiful love scene. It's it's heartwarming. It's uh, you know, pitter patter. So the next morning they wake up and Banner is showering outside in this outdoor shower and he's like, he comes back in and he goes, you know, she she wants to leave. She wants to flee this place, mm-hmm. escape, go somewhere, create a new identity, whatever, yada yada yada. She says that she can get them fake IDs and get new passports or whatever. And uh, he's like, choose some place you want to run away to in the world, and I'll join you when this is all over. Because he finds out on the radio that 
Dr. Pratt was kidnapped because she heard the radio. She turns it off for a second, then he turns it back on and hears that his his surrogate father and surrogate mother have been kidnapped, that he must save them. And she says to him that he won't be back, like he won't be able to find her. There's no course of this conversation where she says that she's going to join him and help him. But the next scene, she's there with him. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, I really do like this scene uh, between them. I think they're yeah. both great in it. They it's very great. emotional and it's very, you know, they, they really play it well. There's this through line to the Incredible Hulk TV series where Banner is this tragic character. And, and even in the pilot, you know, his lab partner has basically fallen in love with him and she dies. And she tells him that that she loves him before she dies. Then in the, in the movie Married, the, the you know Incredible Hulk movie Married, he falls in love with a woman. They get married. She has a terminal disease and she dies. So like this just keeps happening to the guy yeah. uh, where every love story with him is tragic. Every friendship, you know, he has to just keep moving. He can't stay in one place. And that's kind of, you know, they're really playing up the tragedy here. I think it's a nice little for me, it's a nice little button on the series, the scene. So essentially, here, here's the funny thing that I noticed about when Bill Bixby portrays David Banner, everything he does, he does it very slowly. He walks slowly. He talks a little slowly. He almost at times comes off. It's an interesting character trait that I noticed that he basically he knows that if he does anything outside of the ordinary, he may become the Hulk. Mm -hmm. And so he kind of like has this very reserved way about him. And one thing that he does in the very beginning, which I thought was very interesting, as the janitor, he was obsessed with a, like a stain or a spot on the floor, and he's like obsessing over trying to clean it. And it's an interesting kind of character trope of this character because he he really showcases that he's afraid to become the Hulk. And finally, when he gets to this point with this girl and this doctor and his wife, he can tr sort of let that shield or that guard down of being this very uptight person mm -hmm. and you know he's willing to think with yasmin maybe i can have a normal life with her even with the hulk who knows well and, my, and michael to your point there like for me when in the beginning he is pretending to be a simpleton mm -hmm. i at first because again i hadn't seen this since i was a kid I thought Bill Bixby had just become a terrible actor and like, <laughs> or he was playing like band, his brain was deteriorating or something mm -hmm. due to all the transformations over the years or just something. Cause I, I, I just didn't, it took a long time until he reveals he's like, Oh no, he was just faking him out. So he could figure out the way to get into the lab every night mm -hmm. and all those things. But I like totally bought into what he was fooling all the other security people and stuff with. And it was making me mad. I'm like, why is Bill Bixby acting so terribly? <laughs> <laughs> well, the problem with that is it takes about, 40 minutes for us to figure yeah. out what his through line for that behavior is you're like we're 40 minutes into this hour and a half movie and now we know and that's I, why i was buying into it so much because i'm just like why is he stupid now i don't get it <laughs> hulk got dumb <laughs> so david and yasmin now rush to an airport because they ended up kidnapping a guy who works at a car dealership but also is a russian spy and they throw him in the trunk they interrogate him because basically yasmin says like this is this is all i know how to do this is all i'm good at and she i guess tortures this guy a little bit and gets his information and brings him to the police station and he's in jail 
So now they reveal that they're at the airport and they confront Yasmin's sister. And I, the reason why I was the most convinced that Yasmin was supposed to be Black Widow is her outfit in this scene at the end of the movie is this like sleek, tight black outfit with like almost a utility belt sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. She's she's got like this black short pistol type of thing that, that that Black Widow would have, and the shoulders had these sort of unique design to the shoulder pads and i was like she's supposed to be black widow there's no other way around this that she's supposed to be black widow in my guess totally agree her her belt kind of look kind of looks like a fanny pack to me a little bit a little (laughs) little fanny pack that she's wearing yeah and and not only that but in the in that scene that you described when they're like they're donning disguises to trick that car salesman guy and bixby's wearing the fake mustache and it's it's a little (laughs) ridiculous but she's wearing a hat that kind of looks like the the Black Widow hat from like you know from the early '60s appearances. Yes, that kind of outfit. So there are some ties. And her, and her first scene when she's at that club earlier on in the movie, she's got a big red wig with red curly hair, which he's like flirting with the guy to get his fingerprints. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that looks like a Black Widow kind of a hair at at certain points where she's this big red flowy curly hair. Yeah. So like I like. That's what they were probably going for, and I would assume that's the case. So now Yasmin finds her sister, and they have this confrontation, whatever. Now the FBI and the cops all show up, and and the Russian, whatever they are, spies. I don't even know what their organization really is. Everybody's got giant machine guns, and they're shooting at each other. I think I saw one guy die. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> one guy fall down and all the while uh yasmin's sister escapes in this airplane mm-hmm. and like her enforcer guy zed i guess his name was yeah who, his whole goal the whole movie was he just wanted so badly to torture and kill <laughs> yasmin it was, it was he's an artist movie. he's an artist he's creative at, at one point he wants to torture her with a paper clip i was like okay and and, and they even say that's when we do it He's chosen his tool for the the torture. I was like, okay, great. So now the Hulk is chasing after this airplane and he's running it down. But he's also, he's trying to run to save Yasmin, who's also being chased by the airplane because Zed is trying to run her over. And and there's a couple of moments where, like, she's running full sprint at certain times, Mm -hmm. but then there's, like, other scenes, other shots in this moment where she's more of a close-up, and she's just swinging her arm. Yes, it's so obvious, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. She's just, like, (laughs) looking left and right and swinging her arms up and down. I'm like, oh, boy. I'm glad you guys saw that, too, because I I saw that a few times. I'm like, is she just running in place, and they just (laughs) didn't even bother? They they probably missed the close-up shot in the actual shooting. They're like, well, we gotta do it later, so we need that close-up oh god running away from the airplane oh no and therefore she dives out of the way and hulk now catches up to the airplane rips part of the door open the plane takes off and he's trying to work his way to climb in yasmin's sister the big bad of the movie she pulls out a machine gun zed yells dude the fuel (laughs) (laughs) and then she shoots she shoots down but the fuel on an airplane is in the wings not below her and then the whole plane spontaneously combusts 
and Hulk is jettisoned out of the thing. It's this weird sort of like bad blue screen kind of moment where you see him. And then he's falling forever. He's just like... It's like Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) And it's all on a black silhouetted background. And he's just falling and falling and falling. With a scared look on his face. Yeah. Yeah, Ferrigno's acting in that scene could be called into question because he's not <laughs> he just looks like a scared cat or something he's yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> what's happening to me this to me was the the moment of the movie that i was most memorable from a childhood because i noticed as he's falling if you look at his abs mm-hmm. the, the green paint is just not good there and it's like not it, either he was bent over too much and it's like kind of worn away so you could see like his regular skin where his abs are i'm like oh boy they missed he, that one <laughs> he kind of looks like blanca from the street fighter movie in this yeah. <laughs> he's got a really bad wig in this one not like he had in the tv show mm-hmm. And as he's falling and falling and falling, he falls into the concrete of the runway. And Yasmin runs over to the Hulk and she's like, I love you for just who you are. Please, David, don't die. We can be free now. And You're then, mocking it. It's a very nice little scene. It was don't beautiful. mock it. It was beautiful. It was, it was charming and heartwarming and breathtaking. And it, then, it made me cry the first time I watched it. And then David goes, Yasmin, I am free. <laughs> did but i'm like wait the hulk he says earlier in the movie i've survived gunshot wounds this that and the other thing like the hulk skin is theoretically impenetrable why would a fall from maybe a couple hundred feet kill him it is a little suspect and yeah the the impact didn't seem to shake the earth but it you know it just created a little crack in the ground as as he landed and yeah but like like you say michael like that for me like that's the only thing literally the only thing i remembered about this movie is like death of the incredible hulk i remember the hulk died because he fell out of an airplane and that was it that was the only thing that ever stuck with me and so like from that perspective it's like well it's memorable it certainly gets your attention but everything leading up to it yeah you're kind of like okay now the funny thing i noticed about that as they this scene of him laying in this cracked foundation of this road Mm -hmm. they keep pulling back further and further and further and you can tell it's a set piece because they've only lit like a certain section of where like a helicopter light would shine down i'm like that's a set piece right there (laughs) he just fell through I like it. It's it's cool. And, you know, the Lonely Man theme plays for the last do, do, time. Do, do, do. Come on. Do, 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 do. If you hear the Lonely Man theme, you, yeah. know, you get emotional, unless you don't have a heart. Or, or you're watching the Family Guy episode where they play that. For <laughs> don't do that. Don't quote Family Guy on this. But... Listen, I honestly, I really, really enjoyed it. I really liked it. I thought it was very well done for what it was. I would have liked more if the actual death of the Hulk was something that I would believe would actually kill the Hulk. Well, we'll get into that as we talk about what the plans were after this. Okay. Because maybe this wasn't supposed to be the death of the Hulk. Oh, interesting. As we go on. So, yeah, overall thoughts. At like Adam, what are your some of your overall thoughts? I'd have to say that it felt like I say I could I could recognize, you know, the decent acting, you know, the the plausibility of of working with okay, it's the standard batters in a lab to get rid of the Hulk yet again. How do you freshen that up? Well, somebody else wants some stuff from the lab. But because it lacks the fun factor or even 
like the ridiculousness of Return or to to a lesser extent Trial of the Incredible Hulk. It's it's not as fun to watch. Like you know, I've, I watched it twice in preparation for this show, and each time I was like, okay, like I I can see what they're working hard here to make us care about the characters, but there was one in particular that we'll get to in a minute, I'm sure, who just didn't work for me, and therefore I I didn't buy into the story overall, and it wasn't uh, impactful enough for me to say, oh yeah, it's it's good. It's a good movie. I'm like, mm, there's some good parts. Yeah, I mean, for me, I you know, I, I, like you guys, I remember the ending very well, and that's kind of what stuck with me. As I watch this now as a Hulk fan, I think the Hulk is the worst part of this movie. Yes. Yeah. Every time he hulks out, I'm like, oh, oh God, another Hulk scene. He I, looks I, weird. It looks weird. And you know what was funny about it? I was able to time it that every time the Hulk came up, I knew a commercial was coming after it. Like mm-hmm. It was like, okay, he's going to be on the screen for about two minutes. Then we're going to have a fade to black for commercial. He just seems shoehorned into every single scene he's in. Yeah. Like, there doesn't seem to be a real reason for him to be the Hulk. I mean, obviously the third act, yes. But, you know, when he gets mugged at the beginning, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and he's just running through apartments and the construction site scene. It's just the Hulk is not well thought out in this movie. But because the budget was so low, you know, in certain scenes, they lean on Bill Bixby as an actor and some of the other actors. And I think that's the stuff that works the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think the actual acting parts and the, the four main leads of Yasmin, David Banner, Pratt and his wife, those some of the best stuff in the actual movie uh, is the story of that part. Yeah. So let's get into the cast a little bit. OK, so we've mentioned we have Bill Bixby as the Hulk. Uh, at this point, he was mostly a television director. He directed a lot of Blossom episodes, by the way. Really? Uh, yeah, he was still acting. Uh, what are your thoughts on Bill Bixby as David Banner. I love him as David Banner. I just it's what I think of Bruce Banner is when I think of him above all. I just just because of the way that especially the end of every episode when he's just walking away, you hear that music and the Lonely Man song. The whole thing works well for me. The problem that I have with this movie is, like I've said, feels too old for the role in comparison to what they were trying to portray him as. Mm-hmm. Like this movie should have come out ten years earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean to me, he's as good as he ever was i mean he there there's i wouldn't say you know aside from the the acting choice that i thought was poor acting (laughs) (laughs) the fact that he tricked me tells me no this is good Uh, no but but to me like i just feel like yeah he's strong what really works for me always like the most is that he's such a small guy that the idea that the rage manifests as the hulk always works to the benefit of the story in my mind is like it really feels like a transformation you know if he was already a tall good-looking semi-buff guy the transformation of the hulk doesn't seem as big a deal at least to the size of lou ferrigno who's basically still human sized you know in the movies mm-hmm. it's different where hulk is as big as you know a car you know but it's like you know, in this case it always works really well for me yeah for me i think bill bixby is the best performance of any marvel character I think this is the quintessential wow. Marvel performance in the same way that Christopher Reeve is like the quintessential DC superhero. I just think like to me, when Marvel does does it best is when they cast a good actor with these very human qualities to play these kind of superhuman characters. And, you know, you, you saw you think, that. You think it's better than uh, Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man? Yes, I do. Really? I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I find Iron Man a little one note at times. 
like the cocky guy who all of a sudden something bad happens to him and blah, blah, blah. I don't know. To me, like, I like how kind David Banner is. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a real warmth. I don't get the warmth from Stark. Like, I know he has some emotional scenes, but he's he's always so snarky and Mm -hmm. sarcastic. And, like, I think if you look at the Hulk through the movies that they've tried to make, you know, in the MCU, they basically just (laughs) ended up doing the Bill Bixby thing. Right. Like, you know, they tried to go away from it with Eric Bana. It didn't work. Then they really leaned into it with Edward Norton. But he kind of has a persona as being a bit of an a-hole. So it didn't you didn't get the warmth from Norton. And they go to Ruffalo, who's like the nicest guy in the world. And suddenly the whole thing makes sense. Right. So I think I think Bill Bixby is is still the model for the kind of what I think of as a Marvel character. Fair argument. Okay, I'll I'll allow it. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have to allow it. I guess so, yes. And I think I was the most excited to talk about this movie of anyone here. I was actually excited to watch it. I, I Believe it or not, I'm sitting there watching it on my phone, and, and Dory's like, what are you watching? And I'm like, Death of the Incredible Hulk. And she goes, the Hulk died? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, do you want to watch? And she goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> You know what's funny about this movie? Because, you know, I, I did send you a copy. It starts with the most underwhelming title card you can imagine. Yes. yes. And you're just like, this is going to be a movie? Like, this looks like like a public access show. It's just, you know, superimposed Death of the Incredible Hulk on just, you know, a, a wide landscape shot. And you're like, where is this going to go? Yeah. Lou Ferrigno as the Incredible Hulk. Thoughts on Lou Ferrigno? I felt in this movie underwhelming in the tv series i always enjoyed it again he appears for 90 seconds at the end of every episode but i always enjoyed it i didn't think it worked as well this time for him i I would agree you know they gave him more to do in the tv series which is a big deal he looked better in the tv series they had more time and money to spend on his makeup and that wig was bad the makeup times was not great no even even the ripped pants they just didn't have like a good rip to them like a good i don't know they just didn't work for me at times and at a certain point you want him to do more than smash things Mm -hmm. every time he appears you know they could have given him more to do brought in smart hulk or or, or whatever, you know, yeah. just some some new level to the character that they did not do in these TV movies. Adam, what's your thoughts on Lou Ferrigno? I mean, I, I really, yeah, there's really nothing more to add because, yeah, I, like I, ultimately it just comes down to they didn't give him anything to do except for die at the end. Yeah. So like, yeah, there's just there's really nothing to be said. So next up, as I mentioned, Elizabeth Grayson as Yasmin. Now, Elizabeth Grayson is a former Miss America as well as a Miss Arkansas. In the early 90s, tabloids claims that she had an affair with then-governor of Arkansas, Bill Clinton, which she denied. Six years later, she admitted it was true, and she was called to testify during Kenneth Starr's investigation into Clinton, but managed to elude the subpoena because she was filming the Highlander series in another country. That is a deep Googling for Steven right there. <laughs> yeah, that, that was pretty shocking. I was like, really? Yeah, I mean, that that's pretty nuts. And I, I got to say, I, I mentioned this earlier. She is the weakest link for me in this movie. I know her from nothing else. When I saw her on screen playing racquetball with the goggles, I thought it was Alexandra Paul from Baywatch. And I'm just like, that's no. Who, who is this actress? And then as the, the only time I found her interesting on screen was when she had the big red 
wig on at the nightclub and was flirting with the security guard. Like, she had personality that she was putting on. The rest of the movie, she's so bland or melodramatic that I just don't buy into her as a real person. So I, like, to me, like, the movie basically hangs on her outside of Bill Bixby, and I just, I didn't enjoy her performance at all. Really? See, I loved her. I loved her, too. I thought she stole a lot of scenes. I thought she was a lot of fun. Yes, there's there are moments where she's a little bit overacting, but I don't know. I just, oh, man, I thought she really killed it for me. I was like, wow, love her. Yeah, she's great. I, I thought she was charming and like in that cold Eastern European Russian spy kind of way. And if you compare her performance to the other superheroes they brought in, I mean, those guys were hamming it up. Mm. I know, but I love a hammy performance in a low-budget movie that's already terrible. <laughs> and she just didn't sell the dramatics of it to me. I will say Rex Smith does give a a pretty realistic performance as Daredevil. Yeah, I, I enjoy him. Yeah, and he, he's just got charisma. She didn't have any charisma on screen for me, unless she was hamming it up, putting on an accent and, you know, wearing, wearing a short skirt at the nightclub and trying to get this guy's fingerprint, you know? See, you know, I don't know. Like, when she's at the laundry mat and she steals the clothes she's got a little bit of charisma there i feel even at the end when she's like in full spy mode agree or disagree (laughs) i thought she was great in the death scene yeah i thought so too i thought she was fine there but i still think that was more on bixby than her and you see her bare back three times come on (laughs) exactly acting (laughs) so you know now, we've, I, we've brought this up several times. Is she supposed to be Black Widow? They're both Russian Asians. They're both trained in a secret facility. Even wears a very similar black suit, especially at the end scenes, though it appears that it's a fanny pack, as Stephen had mentioned. Do you have any interesting facts about this, Stephen? That you, can... you know, nothing that I found in my research that said one way or the other, but every time I watch this, I'm just going to pretend she's Black Widow. I just think that's the more interesting movie for me. So to me, she's Black Widow. And it also makes sense that the through line of the Ruffalo Black Widow relationship in the modern movies is, ooh, there's a will they, won't they sort of thing. It's like, I wonder if they stole that idea from this movie. Big fans of Death of the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> so Philip Sterling He was a popular TV guest star on such shows as St. Elsewhere, Sisters, and L.A. Law. But what I found most interesting is that he was also co-starred in another Marvel movie in the 1970s Doctor Strange movie. Oh, boy. All right. (laughs) And so this is the actor who played Dr. Pratt, right? Yes, yes, it was. Wow, that's fascinating. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Stephen... Are you going to now make me watch this Doctor Strange movie to <laughs> to understand this actor and in, in his uh, in his role in this movie? You know, there's some things that even I won't make you do. And that's oh. it's a tough one. I, I want to love it. Jessica Walter is the is the villain. Jessica Walter from Arrested Development. Oh, she really? Plays, she plays Morgan Le Fay. Interesting. Yeah. So there's some fun stuff in it. You know, and those 70 suits are pretty, pretty radical disco era <laughs> I can only imagine. Dude, but it, it's not an easy watch. Oh, good. <laughs> okay, I'll let you take the next one. I can't pronounce the person's name. <laughs> well, he's a fellow countryman. Uh, Andreas Katsoulas, best known for playing the one-armed man in The Fugitive, 
That's what also, he is. I knew I mm-hmm. recognized him. I knew it. Yeah, he, he was in a lot of stuff in, in like the 80s and 90s. He was a regular in Babylon 5. He plays Yasmin's Russian boss. Is it Kasha? Was Kesha? Kasha, <laughs> yeah. Now, Something did, like that. Did he have one arm for real life? He did not. That was just in, in the movie. <laughs> the Fugitive. Ruining the magic for me of the Fugitive. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. He's great in the Fugitive. And I read... um. Oh God! Why am I why am I blanking on his name? Who's the comic book writer who created Babylon Five? Oh, uh, J. Michael Straczynski. Yes, he wrote an autobiography, which is one of the best books about comic book writing like that I've ever read. Oh. Uh, and it's his personal story as well. And it's he's got a dark personal story. It's called Becoming Superman. But he talks a lot about Andreas Katsoulis, uh, who was working when he was sick towards the end of Babylon Five, and uh, says just the the nicest things about him. That's awesome. So what did the critics think of this movie? So from People Magazine, the critic said, When I first heard the note of finality in the title of this, the third Hulk revival in three years, I thought it meant poor David Banner, Bill Bixby, had finally stumbled across a stress, a stress management course. But what happens is nothing that banal. Instead, Banner passes himself off as a simple-minded janitor to gain access to a top-secret laboratory that may hold the key to his Hulkization. But dastardly terrorists are after the same experiments. It's a feckless little outing for the mean green machine with a ridiculous romantic entanglement. Plus a two hours, this cheap production is about 45 minutes too long. Ouch. Jeez. Two hours of commercials. Come on. I I honestly thought, you know, the hour 33 was just enough. Like, watching it without commercials, it was fine. Yeah. There there may have been five minutes I go to trimmed out of the movie, but overall, I thought it was a a good runtime. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's some slow points for sure, but this is a very harsh critic. Yeah. Uh, Clearly, they had thought that the series had run its course. Yeah. Now, you'd think that a movie called The Death of the Incredible Hulk would have been the last outing. But that's not true. Steven, tell us, what were the plans for more Hulk stuff? So there were plans for more Incredible Hulk TV movies after this. Uh, this is where it kind of gets interesting. Uh, as we said, there were rumors that they'd include Iron Man or She-Hulk in the next film. There was also a rumor that the next film would, would feature the Hulk with Banner's brain. But according to Gerald DePego, none of that was true. And the fourth TV movie would have been titled The Revenge of the Incredible Hulk, or Rebirth of the Incredible Hulk. Hmm. In it, Banner would be revived and would no longer be able to turn into the Green Goliath. Banner then starts working for the U.S. government, where he is trying to prevent accidents like the one he suffered from happening. But he's kidnapped by villains who want him to create more Hulk-like beings. In the third act, Banner would have to recreate his own experiment and become the Hulk once again to thwart the villain's evil plans. Interesting. So that was the plan there. That feels a lot like the Fantastic Four movie. Remember when, like, Thing becomes Ben Grimm again, then he has yes. to become Thing again? I mean, I know that was from the comics, too, but that's that's very much a similar storyline. You could kind of see how they could squeeze Tony Stark into that one. Yeah, I could see that. I could totally see that. I could also see how they could shoehorn She-Hulk into that as well. Yeah. So here's some more stuff I found out while researching this. And I can't believe this is true, but apparently it is. There were plans in 1990 for a She-Hulk TV series in which Bill Bixby would have reprised his role as David Banner. According to CBR, in the Jill Sherman script, Assistant District Attorney Jennifer Walters takes a vacation in the Caribbean where she runs into David Banner, who presumably faked his own death and is living as a pool boy. (laughs) 
almost 60 year old <laughs> pool boy banner and walters flirt because they are not cousins in this version but then she's shot by a hitman sent by a businessman that she was trying to get away from after this intense trial banner has a doctor friend that convinces him to give jennifer a blood transfusion and she's transformed into the she-hulk gabrielle reese was set to play she-hulk and future silk socking star mitzi capture was going to play jennifer walters but the project was canceled because execs didn't think mitzi capture could carry a series which eventually she did she does yes so way to go executives after the tv show failed to get off the ground there were plans for a she-hulk movie directed by larry cohen you know of it's alive and mm. stuff and cue the winged serpent uh, it was going to star brigitte nielsen red sonia yeah red sonia rocky four uh, and there are you know you can find these online there are several promotional pictures of her as she-hulk that exist yeah, it, that's what's so weird. Like, I've only ever heard of that, and I didn't realize that was a feature film. I always thought yes. that was the TV movie of She-Hulk that never happened. So that's so I never heard about Gabrielle Reese and you know Mitzi Capture. Already, I I never watched Silk Stockings. So like that was like all new to me. I was like, wow. Yeah, to me as well. And and I you know I researched this a lot, and I kept finding that it was true. So maybe. Hmm. But ultimately, uh, you know, the death of the Incredible Hulk was a ratings disappointment and essentially canceled all future plans for Incredible Hulk movies. Sadly, Bill Bixby died three years after this film's release. And so this would turn out to be his last outing as Dr. David Banner. And it was actually his second to last on camera appearance besides an episode of Diagnosis Murder. How did he pass away? He had cancer. That's what I thought. Mm -hmm. I thought it was cancer. Yeah. And I think it happened pretty quickly. Like, you know, he was still directing Blossom towards the end of his life well i mean listen it's one of those things where he created an iconic like identity of this character like people really recognize that actor as bruce banner david banner what are you going to call it but like he just created this legacy and like you said you know they've tried to emulate it in certain ways the way he portrayed the character for so many years truly truly i mean he brought such a soulful performance to the character That, like I said, you forget sometimes that this guy's about to turn turn the Hulk. Because you're just so drawn into his performance. He just seems like the ultimate mensch, the ultimate nice guy uh, who just wants to help people. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's all he does in in the series. He just goes from place to place helping people who need him. Cool. So let's now dive into our rapid fire questions for the Incredible Hulk or the death of the Incredible Hulk. First, favorite scene. Adam, go. I would say for me, I mean, this is kind of weird, but I really enjoyed Yasmin's break-in scene where she's impersonating Betty. And so like, you know, David's already, you know, working in the lab with Dr. Pratt and all that stuff. And then she comes in and she just like, she's dressed exactly like this actress that just like tackles her. (laughs) It was just weird to see the two of them at the same moment, you know, because we didn't really know anything about Betty. And now Betty is incapacitated. Steven, your favorite scene? It would have to be the last scene between Yasmin and David when he's basically saying that go somewhere and I'll meet you there. You know, heartbreaking stuff. I actually liked the scene that they first met where he where she's with a gunshot wound. I thought that was really good, too. I thought I really, really liked that scene a lot. Mm-hmm. OK, least favorite scene in the movie. Adam, go. Got to go with the love scene. I just I was not in on that relationship. Too many naked backs. So that was just the culmination of it all. So Stephen, no such thing as too many naked backs. Uh <laughs> Besides the, you know, the Hulk scenes that we've mentioned, I would say when they trick the car salesman guy and like Mm -hmm. David Banner's wearing a mustache, it's just I don't want to see David Banner pretending to be a a guy with a 
<laughs> funny accent. A man with a mustache. Yeah, it was too much for me. I hated the mugging scene. Really yeah. Like yeah. That I didn't like. Number three, what Marvel character do you wish they paired Hulk with in the next movie? Adam, go. You know who I think would have been great at that time would have been Luke Cage. If you had Luke Cage as a character, a streetwise character with the Hulk, and, you know, because he's he's got his, you know, invulnerable skin and all that stuff, like, it just feels like they would be a good team, and I I think that would have been an interesting pairing. Steven, what do you got? I mean, I think Iron Man would have been really cool. This kind of 90s tech Iron Man would have been neat... Yeah, I would say Iron Man. I would say Dolph Lundgren's Punisher. (laughs) (laughs) Hunting down the Hulk. Uh, (laughs) Question number four. Where does this fit into Marvel canon? Adam, what do you got? To me, because it feels like they didn't go all the way and make it Black Widow, then I I say it's like, this is the one that doesn't work, because it's not Daredevil, it's not Thor, it's just generic story. So to me, I feel like this is almost one that doesn't even need to count, except for The Hulk dies. Steven, what do you think? I really like this movie. I mean, in terms of like the early Marvel movies, I would say this is somewhere in the middle, if we count pre-MCU. I, I would say this is probably better than some, some of the other made-for-TV movies. I think the Spider-Man ones are my favorite. Uh, it's probably just around the same level as that Captain America movie we watched a year or so ago, Adam. Around mm-hmm. that sort of thing. I also think of it as like an Elseworlds, if I had to think of it as a, a in-canon type of thing. Number five, where does this rank with other Hulk TV movies? So we've talked about The Trial, The Death the return and the pilot and the marriage adam what do you think yeah unfortunately for me this is a franchise where it is just diminishing returns and i think it just gets worse and worse as it goes along and i i feel like steven is the exact opposite for me but for me like i still love return i just think it's so silly and so fun and then trial is good enough but not great you know i don't want to watch it over and over again and then this one i will probably not watch again like i have no desire and i'm i don't have a nostalgic connection to the the t you know the tv movies from the 70s like the pilot and all of those so for those i just kind of don't even count them like it's these three is all i count yeah you know i watched the pilot after i watched death and you can just see the budget difference alone the pilot is the best of them if we're just counting these three trials my favorite this would probably be second i think this is number two after trial and then third is Incredible Hulk Returns. I'm sorry, that Thor is just too over the top. <laughs> and, I, I, and the funny thing is, I love Eric Allen Kramer in it. It's just the things that they make him do where you're like, okay, enough. But I still love it. I, I'm not going to say I don't love Incredible Hulk Returns. I'll watch it if it's on. I don't remember the other two movies because I just don't. But this movie, I just, I enjoy it. I, I couldn't rank it, but I just, I don't know the other ones as well. Okay, two more questions. Number six. How would you have killed off the Hulk? Adam. So I was thinking about this, and honestly, you know, with like the, okay, they're not going to go with She-Hulk, but would I have wanted She-Hulk? Sort of. But I actually started thinking of it a different way, because I said earlier, Bill Bixby's acting choice to make it seem like his brain was deteriorating is how I was interpreting it. And I started making me think then, I was like, well, what if that was it? What if he was breaking down and he was going to die? And then in the process, he, because just think of all those years he was on 
down the road and all the romantic relationships he did strike up here and there with these women when he was out on the road like i was just thinking he had to have an illegitimate son that he passed <laughs> along the gamma irradiated blood to and that he would run into that kid find the kid who's like a scientist now also or something that they would get together and try to save him but they can't and then somehow the kid like reveals that yes i have the hulk inside me too and so the incredible hulk dies but now you get the the series continues with the sun taking over and he's the hulk (laughs) yeah so that that was kind of what i was thinking that's a soap opera steven what do you think how would have you killed the hulk i mean i think maybe some sort of mystery where where there's a giant explosion and you're not sure if banner's dead or the Hulk's dead, you know, maybe it was in the middle of an experiment to cure him of the Hulk and you see him being cured, but then something goes wrong. And then I think ending on a mystery would have been the best bet. Leaving it up to the audience's imagination would have been interesting to me. Okay. See, I would have had Pratt cure him and then there was the, another break in the lab and then Banner gets shot and died and didn't have the gunshot wound to heal him. Oh, interesting. Wow, so really Banner depressing. dies, Jeez. not the Hulk. Yeah. That's so down. So, so overall grade, Adam. Uh, like I say, I I think I give this one like a C for entertainment value, but I give it a B plus for the acting. <laughs> okay, fair, Stephen. Again, I love this movie. I recommended it. I was so excited to talk about it. I'd say C plus. Okay. I mean, you know, I I think you know in terms of the Hulk TV show, C plus. All right, fair. I, I mean, I gave it a B minus. I thought the acting was really good. I, I did think for what it was and what they budgetarily made it for, which is relatively low, they did a pretty good job and they, they did a nice movie. So uh, for made for TV movies of superheroes, not bad. Is it the Flash pilot? No, but it's good. I enjoy it. <laughs> <clears throat> So this truly ended up being the death of a TV series that we all grew up loving. Uh, now, unlike some of the other New World Marvel movies like Generation X and most famously Fantastic Four, The Death of the Incredible Hulk did get a VHS and DVD release, so it is relatively easy to find. I recommend that you seek it out. I'm sure you guys agree. I concur. Cool. Yeah, get, get familiar with it. you tell us if you enjoy it we want to hear about it so if you do want to let us know what your thoughts are on this movie and other incredible hulk installments you can contact us on our social media on twitter at wizards comics on instagram at wizards underscore comics you can go to our website wizardscomics.com or follow us on any of the podcasting platforms we subscribe to on the retro network and check out our youtube channel as well we got tons of cool content. We'll be rolling out some new stuff all the time. It's a lot of fun. And 90s Super Cinema will continue. So keep looking for these episodes to come through to you. It's yes. a lot of fun uh, putting these together. We should, Certainly, obviously, it's a passion project for Steven. 1991, we had The Rocketeer, which we did air on my other show, Box Office 30. And we're going to be rolling out some other cool stuff coming up. We've got batman returns in the near future so stay tuned but until then we'll see you in the cinemas guys hopefully hopefully (laughs) hopefully you gotta be a little more confident there (laughs) we'll see you in the cinemas yeah this has been a presentation of the retro network